We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Amative Alex Gibson and Sean Stone Cold Steve Olsey. Cash, what's up, buddies? Bow, 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 bow. What's, what's going happening? on? How about them lions, huh, Rascal? Oh, you know, we played about as good as uh, Soldier Field looked like in Chicago the other day, so... Hey, I'd rather have that win with Justin Fields doing a slip and slide all across slip that shitty ass field. That's very nice. <laughs> he that looks ACL like a- is going to last for four games <laughs> on that field. <laughs> oh, he's he's definitely having a crippling injury that's going to alter the, the his career this year. There's no that's way his shit. knees are coming out. It's going to be it's it's going to be a non-contact. Oh that's yeah, a Chicago leg. He'll be like warming up before the game starts and he's going to like fuck up his knee. Like it's going to be something so sad. Falling in a sandpit. Yeah. I mean, talk about a company with malfeasance. Our sources say there's malfeasance. I mean, we we don't know yet. It's not official. I've <laughs> just been hearing it from the folks there. All right. So, Sean, introduce us to what the format typically is of the show. Yeah, we always try to give you our news, match, moments, cringeworthy items, and what we're looking forward to in the, the weeks and months to come, along with some some other pressing news items and happenings in the wrestling world. Yeah, so there's a lot of going on in the wrestling world, and we're going to start with the biggest story in the industry, which is still the fallout from All Out. Before we go into that, Alex, I do want to, again, give a plug to the website, WrestlingElitist.com. That's where you can find our latest match reviews and commentary. Uh, if you also follow us on Wrestling Latest Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram, you'll get to see our articles the moment they come out. And then also please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify or iTunes, certainly not Pandora, but anywhere else <laughs> that you listen to the podcast. Fuckers. Give it, I know. Fuck them. Give us a five. Well, we say that now until we get on their site. Uh, give us a five star review. Uh and then uh, if you have any uh, questions, anything you want to ask us, please visit our contact page on the website as well. So, Alex, again, it's still the biggest story in wrestling. There's probably going to get some fatigue on talking about this any longer. So let's do it one last time. Uh, more on CM Punk and the Elite. Yeah, real quick, which a lot of this kind of came out right as, as we finished recording last week, right? right? So it was kind of poor timing, especially with it. It was especially poor timing since we were recording a day late. So it felt like felt like old TK might have been holding back from his number one podcast there. But we saw on Wednesday night, the show kicked off Tony Khan announcing that both the world title and the trios titles have both been vacated meaning that CM Punk has a grand total of, I believe, seven days in his two reigns as champion. So that's exciting. <laughs> but, up. Uh, looking at that, so now there's been a uh, tournament kicked off for Grand Slam ending next week for the World Championship. And then last week we saw the uh, trios champions be crowned as the Death Triangle when they face off against the best friends. I thought that was a really good match, just as an aside. Really felt like there was two teams that kind of deserved to get the titles there because they're two teams that kind of have carried AEW since day one. So uh, really, really enjoyed that match and enjoyed the outcome of it. But overall, it's a kind of a crazy time right now because they're going through this um, this investigation. So we're not getting really anything. They didn't acknowledge what happened. They just said Punk is injured. I, I, did they acknowledge Punk's injury? I think I they did, right? So. No, they didn't. 
Oh, no. I thought it was maybe just, just been things from the outcome of all out. Gotcha. Just those sources. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sources are telling us that we have to uh, vacate these titles. And so just kind of going straight to it and not really getting an explanation. When you watch wrestling, you're used to every single thing is a storyline. We look at, you know, Edge and Lita when Lita cheated on Matt Hardy and that got out, led to Matt Hardy's firing and then Matt coming back and they turned it into a storyline. You're so used to everything being turned into a storyline. It's so weird to see this be turned, not turned into anything and them just kind of ignore it, push it to the side, which I get. A lot of this is undergoing legal stuff. There's sources are saying that uh, Mega Parker, Parker, the chief legal officer was there at the time of the incident happening. Punk was threatening litigation to everybody, which uh, just in the irony uh, standpoint, there's that movie Suburban Commando uh, with Hulk Hogan, where yes. he's like threatening some guy, and he's like, "What are you gonna do? Beat me up?" And he's like, "Nah, I'm gonna sue you." <laughs> and that's that's CM Punk now. You're you're Hulk Hogan in Suburban Commando. So how punk rock? <laughs> it's I'm we, gonna sue you, you know you either live long enough to be the fucking villain or whatever. I don't know the saying right now, but close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a wild time because we saw. The trios tag team titles, they held off on those. I think this is the bigger story to me right now. They held off on those trios tag titles for Kenny to be back so that the Bucks and Kenny could have it. And I think that eventually this will come out where Punk was mostly in the wrong here. If you want to get percentages, we'll say 80% Punk, 20% the Elite. The Elite will mostly get off on this mostly unscathed, I think. But it's still going to be a black mark on the fact that they won the titles and immediately had to get them vacated. Did you like how the okay? First, let's go into like the in ring stuff, and then we'll go to the out of ring stuff. Did you like the explanation though, and just how Tony addressed it at the start of the show and created a tournament for the world title? Did that work for you or no? One thing, I mean, I'll I'll let you speak on that, Alex. But just one thing I did like is we're not going through an interim title basis again. We're Absolutely, just new champs. I I'm sick of this interim title, so yeah. it was nice to have new champs right away, and then a build for Grand Slam. Yeah, no, I liked no interim. I liked that the trios titles just decide it tonight. Don't do another tournament. You just did a tournament for that. Mm-hmm. Have two of the most deserving teams, like I said, uh, from from the start really of AEW. And then the Grand Slam one, I think it it works well. You have only people who have been champions in uh AEW. Or I guess no, because Danielson's in it, right? So um sure. not completely, but he is, you know, a six time world champion. Um but there's a lot of interesting storylines going into this week, though, because you could see Jericho facing uh, Sammy. You could see Mox facing Danielson in the finals. Like there's both of those are possibilities there. Um, and I, I honestly don't know who's going to have it. I've seen some rumors that Full Gear is supposed to be MJF facing the champion. And what what's kind of sad now, though, is... I want MJF winning the title at full gear and it sucks that whoever wins this is going to have just kind of a short reign, almost the same thing that Mox just had throughout the summer. This is a title that up until then wasn't hot potatoed and now they're kind of because of things happening have to hot potato it. But I think that they handled it about as well as they could. What did you think about it, Chris? I, I thought they handled it as well as they could too. I mean, um, I would have liked on the world title side, I would have liked Sting in there instead because he's won multiple world titles and um, it just gives him something interesting to do. And it's an interesting wrinkle to have him wrestle maybe Darby or maybe Darby gives him a spot that could be cause friction between the two, whatever. 
Uh, I think there's a little bit of fatigue with Sammy that just goes too far. Um, and so I would have liked to maybe see Sting in that spot instead, just because it would have been something different and unique. And then hell, seeing Sting versus Moxley would have been kind of cool or just, I don't know, use something with him because he's 65 or whatever the fuck how old he is. It's like he's not going to be around forever. Like you right. might as well use him while you can. But um, no, I thought they handled it the right way. He can't, Tony can't say too much. I like the fact that he did that via video. If he did that in the ring, he would have got the shit boot out of him oh. based on oh, yeah. just yeah. kind of what's going on and just anytime you're an authority figure in wrestling and you're going to go out there it would have been weird. And I don't know his ability to handle that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, WW or wrestling management and losing uh, football management management never do well in, in a live scenario with a crowd. But I also love that. It just kind of gives a good, good reason for MJF having the casino Royale chip. Just yep. doesn't have, doesn't have to be in the tournament. Can, can wait around cash it in and just kick back and talk shit till till that day comes so let's go into a bit more of like what we heard with like the rumors and what both sides are saying um but the thing that i heard is that it's undisputed apparently that punk punched out matt jackson and then nick jackson got a chair thrown into him by a steel Correct. And a steel's wife was in the room with a broken foot. And perhaps that's why he felt threatened. And the Kenny Omega stuff, I guess he was trying, Kenny was trying to pull one of them off someone. And, uh, Ace, uh, thought he was getting kind of, someone was going to get uh cross face. So th- apparently that's why he bit Kenny. Also in this was the fact that Larry, the dog was a witness to this too. <laughs> now I don't know if he's going to get subpoenaed. Like MJ is like supposedly going to be subpoenaed and get, interview but that was the one moment where i was like holy shit punk is so on the wrong like i wouldn't let my charlie in that room i was like i just thought of him and i was like oh my god my poor little guy like i don't want him in there so i did feel like hey you got to take care of larry man what the fuck but maybe that's something that we'll find out after the investigation is over we'll get some more clarity there yeah and there was a thing about kenny too that he was actually trying to remove larry from the situation because he was getting you know, because people are moving around, things are being thrown. So he was actually trying to pick it up. In the story that I read from uh, the kind of their side of it, it definitely felt like there was a lot of when you're a kid and you just are trying to cover all your bases on something you did. Like, you know, you accidentally uh, broke like your mom's vase because you were you know, playing catch in the house, even though right. you weren't supposed to. But so then you're like, oh, well, I sneezed and then I tripped. And when I tripped, I accidentally knocked him into a football. And like, there was like, there was a lot of Seven things events. that it felt like felt like they were trying to make themselves look like they had nothing in the wrong. But I think one of the interesting things is, is one of the first stories was that the the Bucks went there and they kicked down the door. And that was the word that was used. It was that they kicked down the door. And now it's just that they uh, went to, now even like punk side was like, oh, no, actually, it's a well, they just came and they were they were not nice. They they you know, they kind of forced their way in. Um, but. I don't know how much they would have forced their way in if they had the chief of legal with them. Uh, it seems like Punk must not have known uh, that she was there when when it all started because yeah, it's... It, it's such a weird situation. And really, the one thing that I'll just I'll say is Punk just feels like somebody who is just so self sabotaging at this point, mm-hmm. and the way that the story is unfolding with this it's seeming more and more clear that yes, the bucks and Kenny probably went and wanted to have words with him, 
but he immediately escalated. And from, you know, the things that we're hearing now, there's also rumors that he was telling people up to two weeks before the pay-per-view, watch the post scrum, there's going to be something that happens. So this was a premeditated thing. He had two, he had two weeks, he had two months because he was off for so long to think about not doing this or to go to Tony and say, Hey, I'm having these thoughts. Like I'm thinking about doing this and, you know, like talk himself off the ledge almost. And he chose not to do it. He chose to actually try to just fucking burn the bridge and bury it. And as someone who thinks he's a businessman, uh, I don't know anybody who would go and just bury their biggest stars in their, on, in their company in that manner if they truly cared about the business. Yeah, it was a very scorched earth um, thing. I mean, I and, and I'll talk later in the cringe of the week, some of my things that I felt he was actually right about and lessons not oh, learned yeah. from this. Because um, like any side, you know, anything, there's three sides to every story. Um, and you can point out things that he's right or wrong about. But it's certainly a sad way for him to end his perhaps career. Um, and it's a sad way to go out and just, I don't know, very, very well, awful to hear. Yeah. And just to kind of put a bow on it from my end, like if he would have never returned to AEW a year ago, he could have kind of almost gone out as the white this knight. legend that almost like a what if story, uh, you know, to keep it local here, uh, the Barry Sanders, right? Like imagine if he would have stuck around or if he would have came back. But he came back and to me, just tarnished the legacy, (laughs) just absolutely ruined it. Even if, say, say he leaves and decides to go to WWE because Triple H just offers him a boatload of money because there was uh, some thoughts on that, too, that came out this week. I I think that this taints it so much like this is I'm not going to say that he's at ultimate warrior level, but it's that similar, like self-destructive nature that you hear about so many of these old school guys and and punk has made a career of talking about how awful those people are. And he is the exact same person. I think a lot of them fall into that. It's just the nature and the optics and the placement you are in the card where this is what got me here, brother. You're not, you don't get it. Um, You know, but I will say this too, like this didn't need to happen in the sense that like no one would have thought his, his run so far was a failure if this scrum didn't happen creatively the mjf feud oh, was no, yeah. all-time great uh mm-hmm. the hangman stuff was good like this this feud was interesting it cost them buy rates perhaps talk about that later on but i i didn't think it was bad it was novel and creative so you would have never known that shit was bad unless this thing came out um exactly i think the only criticism the would, have been, would have been oh he's kind of brittle and old but yeah. he's yeah, 46 yeah. wrestling a 20 year old style like whatever you know, I don't know if he's 46 yeah, I, or not. Maybe I'm not trying to make him sound like he's Bob Backlund in the 90s, but no, I, I yeah, I, I agree. And I I think that it's been a good run. It's just yeah. this taints the whole thing like this. I mean, if I look back, it makes it not worth it. I'd rather have just not had punk because I loved CM Punk a year ago. Right. And yeah. now I find it hard to see any scenario where I think that like even there are, well, and we'll talk about it. Like you said, there are some things that he's in the right on but he's not in the right about the way that he went about this. And once again, it comes down to me. I think the biggest telling thing about him is that he was planning it. Like if, if he was just in a mood after that match and somebody asked a question that triggered him, but 
he was planning it. And then he purposely called out somebody that he knew was friends with Colt Cabana said he could transition into that conversation. And that's where it, where it, where it kind of tarnishes it for me. Yeah. The whole thing is unfortunate, but hopefully we can, um, I'm getting fatigued with this story and um, I'm done with it, but I hope, you know, we get it wrapped up and we can move on. Now, one last question before we get into the regular shit. Um, So Tony had some goodwill to make up with the fans. Do you think he accomplished that with dynamite and rampage this week? I think it was a start. I think that, I think dynamite was a very, very good episode. I think even rampage was better than typical. I think it's more than one one week that you have to do this. So I think that I think it's a good start, though. I and and I think that he chose the right people to be in that trios match. I think he mostly chose the right people to be in the World Championship Grand Slam tournament. I I don't necessarily need to see Jericho in that, but I get why he's there. It makes sense. I think I think yeah. I think overall that delivered. And I think that uh, he did a great job of sending out some people that are locker room leaders on Wednesday, too, just to address the crowd and and let them have their promo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was my fancy way of transitioning into match of the week. (laughs) We've had multiple matches of the week. I mean, any other I mean, this is a good way to uh, get the fans back on your side by having, I would say, four four star matches. You had the trios match. You had Garcia and Yuta. You had Hangman and... uh, Brian Danielson, ooh, that got close. And then you had Dax and Claudia, which was, was an underrated gem in itself. So uh, let's start with you, Alex. What was your match of the week? It was the main event of Dynamite this week. Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta for the pure title. I think we talk so much about needing to make young stars, needing to kind of start passing that torch. And you saw the old-timer do what he did uh, at All Out. And then you let these two main event for the ROH Pure title. I think there's always been an argument that that type of wrestling doesn't do much. Like, you know, it, it doesn't doesn't sell uh, in terms of like that pure wrestling or technical wrestling, unless you're a certain person like a Brian Danielson or, uh, I mean, I, like Zack Sabre Jr. people tend to not even really think could ever translate to television super well. And to see these two who have kind of made that's their thing. Um, I think they did over a million. I was uh, just getting that entire segment. Jump in there. Yeah. Um, You know, having Daniel Garcia get that, uh, that West side gun entrance, the Buffalo kid, uh, you know, get all of that and and make it a big moment, make that title a big moment. I think was great. I loved the ending after, uh, after he won, when Jericho just looked like a disappointed father, when he just, followed the code of honor and then shook uh, Danielson's hand as well. I'm excited to see where that story is going. And also I just want to say from a, um, like those young, young technical wrestlers thing, I, I really want to see Leo Moriarty back. Cause I originally, he was kind of in the mix of, you know, is he going to join the Blackpool combat club and that, or maybe even the Jericho appreciation society. And just, he belongs with those guys in terms of that style. So uh, I'm hoping that we get to see something kind of, come up with him eventually too but i just thought that pure that pure match is such a unique title it's a um it's it's something that i've really enjoyed the way that they've done it they haven't overdone it and they're doing it with guys that can get over in multiple ways and uh i i just want to i don't really have anything in from a 
there wasn't anything spectacular about that match. It was just a great fucking wrestling match. Totally. But this was my match of the week too. Um, The pure style is starting to grow on me. I think it helps that you have a roster with AEW talent that you can kind of blend into the ROH universe there. Probably didn't work back in the day when your your champion was Josh Woods and you were dealing with the the Ring of Honor roster that you had. Um, Great moments in the match. Uh, I love the Dragon Tamer, the way the... Daniel Garcia puts it in. He really just singes all the way in there. Great counter by uh, Wheeler Yuta to notice it and grab the grab the head and try to go for a cross face. The pageantry for Buffalo's like maybe tied with Josh Allen's favorite son. Just the the entrance, <laughs> the confetti, the all the bloods in the the first row, first couple rows, just cheering them along the whole time. Fantastic. Uh, Chris, you said in the article for the ratings, Garcia's a pillar. He absolutely is. Mm-hmm. And he's proven it. Uh, I love to see where this goes. I'm. This is, I think, like the third time they they've wrestled within Death Before Dishonor and Dynamites. Now, I'm ready to see a new opponent for the pure title. So hopefully, we kind of shy away from our rematch. I do want to say though, I think AEW almost does the opposite of WWE, where WWE you always lose in your hometown. Mm-hmm. I need AEW to kind of mix in some losses in your hometown at this point. It feels. A little bit too much like they always want to have that moment, which is great. Like having that moment is awesome, but you don't want it to be. I don't want to be able to look at the schedule and see that, oh, they're going to be in, uh, you know, Detroit. I guess 10 is going to get a big win next match. You know, that type of a thing. Now is the perfect time to have the acclaimed lose. <laughs> don't do okay. After that, after Grand Slam, could you imagine that rule? They fuck oh. that up, and it's like they make Jesus. them turn heel, and they like have like a right to censor type group. It's like the woke woke oh. rap group or something. I don't know some fucking stupid thing where like they don't scissor anymore. Just as we're about to get the they're phone, anti, phone they're specifically scissors. an anti scissoring, yeah, anti tag team. <laughs> oh Christ! Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. But no, that's a good point, and I think there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of natural drama and pathos from someone coming up short, and that's an avenue for a heel turn. That's a that's a yeah, natural way to get someone to go like I'm a loser in my hometown, yeah. and you feel like shit, and you go to the dark side and join Stokely Stable. Easy thing to do. Uh, my match of the week was uh, Hangman uh, dropping one to Brian Danielson. I thought this was a four and one and a half, one and a quarter star match. I liked it not as much as I liked the other two they've had this year, but nevertheless, this was still a very very good match. These guys have excellent chemistry. I put in I think this article that um, Hangman. I think to me like he really is kind of like the North equivalent Okada in a way. Like he can just have a good match with. He brings out the best yeah. in a lot of his opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't repeat everything too. like, he'll use a similar spots and stuff like that, but he'll use them in different places. And it's not like, oh, he's doing a flip and a flop and he goes up the top of the ring, you know, top of the apron and gets punched down like flair. Like there's like certain spots that he does that are same, but he puts them and sequences them in a way that's unique and fresh and doesn't take anything away from the story. Um, it was it was a really really good match i didn't care who they went with on this one i thought maybe in a weird way that hangman was going to go over just because of his you know he's a he, he's a dumb fuck because he doesn't want to take someone's advice uh, or a big dumb stupid fuck whatever the <laughs> hell he was called so i i wondered like oh shit is this guy getting um is he going to get like a almost like a sympathy push because of it um but right. you know nevertheless he's uh 
didn't win here. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do now. That's a whole nother story of like, where does Hangman go? Uh, especially too, when he didn't have anything to do with this now, apparently of being backstage, like he wasn't even there. So who knows what's going to happen with him? But nevertheless, I like this match a lot. Um, and then second behind that, I thought the uh, Claudio and Dax match was also outstanding. But it's been a great week of wrestling. I mean, anytime, again, you can have four four-star matches and three hours of television. It's so fucking cool. I'll take it any day. Yeah, it was it was definitely a week of true wrestling. I mean, especially when you when you when you main event with a pure wrestling match, right? But it was just a truly good showcase of wrestling, which is kind of funny coming down the high coming off the high of uh all out where there is just a lot of fucking craziness going on. Not even just talking about the scrum, but just, you know, the ladder match and just kind of you know crazy going all out, no pun intended. But then to just come back on Wednesday with a fucking just couple of banger matches that are just truly good wrestling matches uh, that that felt good. Yeah. And AEW does have a large niche Internet fan base audience in the hardcores. That's the one thing that's always going to get us back like fucking suckers. If you throw a couple of four star matches at us, we can take a lot of abuse. Speaking of doling out abuse, how about that MJF returning? Hi, Alex. Hey, yeah, I was going to say transition uh, and MJ, the M and MJF stands for moment of the week because (laughs) he's back and I'm going to just continue making that my moment of the week. Loved seeing him come out, you know, doing his fake baby face at first kind of coming off a little bit. Like it reminded me of what Bo Dallas was in NXT before they, before they brought him up and Vince just didn't understand it where it's a heel who thinks he's a baby face and just doesn't understand that he's a total douche. I would have actually loved that if if MJF would have at least continued it for a few weeks. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, that would have been great. But, you know, what? we all knew it was a facade. Fox calls it out right away, and he immediately turns and shows. But, you know, him coming out in the Josh <laughs> Allen jersey, talking about how great Josh Allen is, saying he's sorry, calling that woman in the front row an elephant, and then just saying, I'm just kidding, honey. Like, just... Where well, implying you, he's that he'd still get a Hummer from her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, it was Classic so good. MJF. MJF is, he's so good at just, he's funny. He's, he gets it. He understands how to do all of it. And uh, I just, I really enjoyed it. I loved his interaction with Mox and I loved him immediately turning still. I think that I, I'm excited for what his run means coming back. Um, and, and I just, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been in Buffalo oh, God. To, to have five minutes of cheering on a fake baby face MJF. Yeah, could you imagine? Sean, anything else you wanted to add to this promo? Oh, no. Um, I, I loved when Mox came out and just cut the shit as soon right here, right now. Fuck you. Get out of my ring or we're going to, we're going to come to blows and he cowered like he was. It was, but a beautiful, beautiful promo to come back with MJF. He's he's not a coward. He just he why work harder than you have to. Yeah, man, he could right. he could That's do right. this face so well. I, it's kind of like how we talked about. I don't know about FDR being baby faces. I just can't imagine Dax being one. Uh, proved wrong. This year has shown that he can do that. Uh, MJF so, could be also an amazing all time baby face. And like you said, they could have done this for a couple of weeks of him teetering. And you knowing he's going to be a 
total douche at some point and turn on someone, but just him playing this, like, I love yeah. the crowd bullshit. And like, oh, it was such a delicate dance that could have been good. Because he never is, uh, he never does the false move of like, I'm just so glad to be in front of you fans. Or he could have played off the CM Punk <laughs> kind of doing that at moments. And like, there was a lot of gold there, but I think they'll do it at some point. Maybe that's, I don't know, how they'll go with his career, uh, character at some point down the line. Yeah, I loved when he was getting cheered and he goes and he's like, all right, guys. And he goes, no, no, seriously, I only have a lot serious. I only have a little yeah, bit of time up. allotted to me. <laughs> yeah, like just, just that little that little bit was so funny. And I just want to say about Dax, uh, just on him real quick. One of my coworkers, she went to her first, you know, all I was her first show ever. And she was amazed at how over and how beloved FTR was. And that and she was like, I just she's like, I don't necessarily get it. But like she just thought that it was so cool. She's like, I've never like that was the loudest cheer she heard was FTR. Yeah. And it's just so funny to think them and uh back when they were even before they were the revival, remember when they were just like the mechanics in NXT? And oh, yeah. everyone's like, Why are th- why are these guys getting any time? And just seeing what they've become. I I love I love Dax. And I wish uh, I wish he'd come on the show so I could tell him. Yeah, you can't accept third party bookings <laughs> Not for a while. One day, my friend. All right. Um, Sean, what was your moment of the week? Uh, almost as heelish as MJF. <laughs> I, I love Swerve coming out and interrupting the acclaimed. Loved? Oh, yeah. Loved it. Other than the fact that we don't get what could have been phenomenal dirt that Max Caster had. Just it's perfect heel heat. It's exactly what Swerve needed just to keep building it. Keith Lee's not there. What does this mean? Is he still not quite as of heel as Swerve is? Love that. That builds to what will probably be the reason they lose a match at Grand Slam and lose the titles. But we get that set up. The crowd loves daddy ass too. He got yeah, a huge pop as soon as he grabbed that mic. Just love the acclaim. Love everything they're doing. Hates word for doing it, but love loved the way it came out. Just because we knew we were going to get some hot shit. Yeah, I, that was the perfect thing to do, especially as we talked about at the top. They they're keeping quiet about everything for legal purposes, right? So right. everybody's been waiting to hear what Max would do, and then on top of that, you've been seeing Swerve in Our Glory, where it's truly one of the few times in a long time that you've seen where it's like a, a truly heel person with a face with a face like as tag team partners like in that moment it's not like he turned on him after they lost so i think that's a very interesting dynamic and it feeds into that i fucking hate swerve right now because i love max caster and i wish wish he could have had a chance to go viral with whatever he would have said i'm really interested in what he would have written uh i saw some some threads on reddit where people were trying to guess and i was like you guys are not nearly as creative as you think you are. Uh, but it's like JR uh, rapping. Listen, <laughs> stop. I honestly, I genuinely cannot wait to see Swerve's shoulders on the ground for three fucking seconds at Grand Slam because of that. So I hated the moment, but it was a perfect moment too. I couldn't believe how over Billy Gunn was. I mean, I thought that, yeah, so that, that crowd was so into. Um, the acclaimed at all out. I was like, maybe it won't be as rambunctious in Buffalo, but Billy Gunn was over. Like he had Zubas pants on going through a fucking flaming table right. in Buffalo. Like that was some yeah. like trashy. <laughs> it wasn't even like a second love. It was great. 
could not believe that. That was one of the like uh, again, he's like the com- the most surprising like if we had like surprising rookie of the or like comeback kid of the year it'd be Billy Gunn. <laughs> Just like what the fuck? Oh. <laughs> it's it's 2022 the people love ass eating ass mr ass whoever it is it's, yeah. it's just ass <laughs> it's all ass um all right my moment of the week is a very small little details very subtle but it was on the mark henry promo spot on rampage and william regal is uh managing claudio obviously they're going up against dax he sets the thing up like why are we even wrestling you you're gonna lose anyways and Regal does that just to get Claudio go, or uh, just to get Dax going, excuse me, and just goads him into cutting an impassioned promo, not because he wants to see the guy he manages get beat. He just wants to have him have the best competition. I put on the article at wrestlingleaders.com. You could see him get like a wrestling boner from this. You could actually <laughs> physically see it, but you could just tell he had a little gleam in his it. eye. He was so happy that he was going to get a great match. Uh, for the guy he manages in his table. And that's just classic William Regal. And it's so cool that he gets to have this interesting character and he's not doing an authority figure. He's not doing the distinguished Englishman who drinks pee on accident like he would in WWE or having a, speaking of ass, kiss Vince's ass. Like he's not getting made fun of because he's British and well, that can't be manly. Um, so it's just nice that he gets to do this really cool, subtle character. And those are one of the great things that AEW does get to do that WWE just can't touch is these little moments that are so small, but say everything about a character. Yeah. There's a moment too, in the Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia match where he brings up just Daniel Garcia still not being in the BCC, but it's perfect for the yes, BCC. It's, it's perfect for Wheeler Yuta yeah. to have this competition day in, day out. And just, so good so so nice and pleasant to have someone with the the british accent and a smart mind of the wrestling game i just think that the blackpool combat club is one of the coolest factions we've seen in years because it's one of the few factions that you really see why they're all together a lot of times it's like oh well i'm just an old person an old timer that's that's also with a heater and then uh, a big bad heel and then a young guy like you know and i'm not shitting i know i'm not just shitting on like evolution evolution was a great uh, faction but then after that it felt like everybody was trying to do evolution and and you just have no real rhyme or reason for it blackpool P- combat club exists for one reason it's violence and yeah. violence in pro wrestling and They've been a great pairing, and I just want to have. You, did you guys see the interview that Brian Danielson did and talked about the formation of mm-hmm. no. Blackpool Combat Club? No, no. So he says in it that originally that wasn't the plan. The plan was just a feud with Mox. He cut that promo against him in the the first the first kind of night that they went at it. Mox goes to the backstage. He goes, "You actually had a lot of really good points in that. Maybe this makes sense for us to do some type of a thing." And then they, then they like reached out. That was like right when Regal got let go. So they were like, this might actually be perfect. And so they reached out to Regal. And as soon as he said, yes, they said, yes, they were in on it. Like it's such a perfect, there's one of those times where stars aligned yeah, and it was just perfect. Cause that was even a, I mean, we talked about it on the podcast then, like we were excited about that idea of, of them, of them teaming up together. And they've been just great as a team ever since uh day one and i hope to see them draped in gold soon and and get to see them actually truly act like a faction because i don't think that they always do um you know regal's always involved in all their matches but i'd love to see them 
I want faction warfare, essentially some more faction warfare with uh, the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, you want another uh, stadium stampede? <laughs> and, no, that's that's not what I said. <laughs> Anarchy in the. Arena? I'm going to cut that. Anarchy in the. Arena. No, um, but I think yeah, and it also brings up an opportunity too. Like, put fucking Jamie Hader or Serena Deeb with them in a time when no woman is getting over as they should right now, and because of booking and just featured time. Man, that's a guaranteed great way to get someone believable to beat Jade. I uh, like the idea, but in that same interview, somebody asked Danielson about adding a woman and he politely declined. So, (laughs) No no girls allowed. I love how this whole fucking promotion's run by incels at times. It just seems like it's Jesus Christ. Like... Uh. I don't know how uh, they think. I don't know. We can't. We, we, what are we going to do with them? Ah, Jesus Christ, uh, these guys. Okay. It just bothers me. There's all the fucking potential in the world and they just never utilize it. All right. Cringy. Now that we're negative again, let's go into cringe of the week. All right, Alex, you start. Oh, yeah. So I think for me, it's, you know, we've been taking a little, you know, our, our jabs at the dirt sheets, right? But. Even worse right now might be these old timers that just want to give their opinion on everything. Dutch Mantel, Booker T. Booker I'm T. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure uh, Bully Ray has some really shitty opinions too. I, I, I'll, I'll put him in there even though I've avoided them since this so far. Um, they, all, they all talk and they all just have no – they have no basis in reality at this point. Um, you know, Dutch Mantel, I can't, I can't, I, I actually already blocked out what it was that he said, but Booker T was claiming that the young bucks shouldn't have even put the trios titles on themselves. And this is, he was giggling EVPs. about it and laughing oh, and like, what in the fuck are you talking about? You idiot. Oh my God. Shucky it's, ducky. it's awful. And you know, I also want to say I'm getting, and, and I know we have it at, in our show notes as other things that we're going to get to, but I'm just going to bring it up now. I don't need every single quote that Bobby Fish says on his shitty podcast turned into an article because that's what it feels like. It's like Bobby Fish gives his opinion on this. Bobby Fish gives his opinion on that. AEW wrestler thinks have... this. Former WWE yeah, star, no. NXT star. It's like, it. No, it's Stop him. It. It's like it's like Russo. It's Russo. That doesn't. It's not yeah. someone you listen to anymore. You're done. Yeah, and you know what? Some of the things he said are fine. Like it's not even like I disagree with everything, but none of it's earth shattering. It's. It's like when you're listening to like a radio show and like, it's just like somebody who always has just like soft takes that you're like, I, why are you even telling us this? Like, if you don't have anything interesting to say as a wrestler, like then just, you don't have to say it. Like, and part of it, that's not always Bobby Fish's fault, I guess, because at least Bobby Fish is, I I don't think he's the one cutting up his clips and, and putting them on wrestlinginc.com or whatever, but it's just, none of it's that, none of it's wildly insightful. None of it's interesting. So why do we have to see it constantly plastered like it's some breaking news that he thinks that it's a shame that they didn't get to have a full on feud with the Young Bucks? Booker Pretty T is question. heavily concussed Skip Bayless. That's like exactly oh who he fucking is, like to oh a T. Gosh. Like That's, it's to uh, a Booker T. He's a fucking moron. Just like the whole thing about like, man, they dropped the ball on Will Ospreay. Doesn't fucking work there, idiot. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. You're the dumbest motherfucker in the business ever. I, I, I can't yeah. stand Booker T. I oh, just, yeah. I don't get it. By the way, I had to look it up just because I couldn't resist. Dutch Mantel said that Tony Khan worked himself into a shoot with CM Punk. 
It's like, ah, uh, can you Did he? just? He just I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't disagree that Tony made a little bit of a mess, and also he should have stood up for his, his, uh, you know, his company when Punk was talking. But it, Dutch Mantel just has no respect for Tony, so he, he's like, he's like Cornette. If, if some, if somebody was in the wrong attacking Tony Khan, he would still be like, well, thank God that guy attacked Tony Khan. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter for some of these guys. And that's where I lose a lot of respect. It's like, if, if it's the same thing with the way the world is now, anyways, in general of like, well, if, if you're not, I'm, if you're the person that I'm against, then I'm always going to be against you no matter what, like, even if it's, even if you're right, you're wrong. And that's how right. a lot of these old timers feel. Yeah, there's sometimes like being a permanent contrarian is foolish. Like I'm I'm not a Trump supporter, but there's moments when you're like, oh, I get the angle that he's running. I get the spin of it. Yes. I get the big picture of it. I despise the execution of it, but there's certain things with him where I was like, okay, I kind of understand. Yeah, and it's 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 I mean, we talked about it through our text message uh our text group the other day of like Cornette, it's a shame because he says some things that are actually you're like, yeah. I, oh, he's great. He has I a lot of great that. points, but then he has so many bad takes that oh, are just turns it up to a God. Yeah. 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 He's he's got so much that it doesn't matter because even when he's right, he's wrong so much that it's like, okay, yeah, fucking blind squirrel finds a nut, you know? You know, and with old timers too, it's not that they want to be they're, it's not so much that they're trying to still be relevant and try to get a show with Conrad or something like that. It's just that they love gossip. Like they're just fucking gossip queens. All of these old farts are just the biggest sass queens that always want to have a hot take and just like to spread gossip. And they're fucking teenage girls. A a vast majority of them never grew out of that emotional status of being 14 or 13 years old. It's true. Like, I don't think there's there's a a reason. There's a reason there's such a market for uh, making shoot videos, right? Because these guys just uh, all they want to do is talk. It's all they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just w- someone pit, put the camera on me. Put me in the movie. Let me, let me, hear my don't even have to pay me. Just, just let me, just let me talk and let yeah. me plug my fucking book. I was going to be day. WWE champion. Then Vince is fucking dumb. And nobody do- yeah. Okay. Sure. You were <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> all right, Sean, what's your cringe baby? Uh, a little more lighter. Uh, the Jericho <laughs> appreciation society uh, backstage interview is just, Absolutely awful. Sick and tired of them. All four of them on the on the screen anytime. Jericho just constantly just tries to get over any kind of gimmick he can that he thinks about like two hours before the show goes on. Sammy and Ty have just become completely cringy in themselves. Just how they act, how they kiss, how they make out on screen every single time. And then Anna Jay's uh, her acting skills. God awful. Worse than anything that like the earnest scared stupid Jim Varney Ooh. catalog, whatever that is. Everything everything is worse that she does than his. Disparage the name of Jim Varney. What the fuck? Sorry. R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and bonus cringe. Uh, shout out to our friend Dominique. The Jake Hager has been re-upped. Damn so. it. You, oh, I was just going to do oh, that. I was like, <laughs> well, you got renewed, baby. Damn. So did 2.0. So we've got there's more there's more Jericho Appreciation Society to come. Just great. 2.0 can work in small doses. I like 2.0. Matt Menard, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Hola- so hilarious every time he talks. He's he too pro wrestling for me. Yeah, he's, he's, he's too much. 
Ah, the mm. Jake Hager, man, we get him for years. I love it. How great. <laughs> but you know, First in all fairness, he probably, if Vince was in charge, he would have gone back. That's a total guy that Vince would have been like, whatever. Or like Laurinaitis would have signed and just be like, go, come back. Here, draw, here's a million dollars. Come back. I, I almost wonder if he's just like, if he's actually just like a great locker room guy. You know, yeah, he could be like a hell Maybe of a he's nice... just a big dumb jock that like yeah. everybody loves to be around, or just always a really big, yeah, like just... a mood, just a mood enhancer. Always gets groceries for everyone, and like, hey, I got mm-hmm. sandwiches. Come on, <laughs> just like a sweetheart <laughs> of a guy. Stopped at Jimmy John's. Yeah, I stopped at. Yeah, I got some stuff at Subway. Who wants a foot long? Just that sweetheart <laughs> of a dude. I hope that's what he's like. Oh, that's probably going the wrong way in, in the men's locker room. Yeah, they probably would laugh about that. I guess. Uh, Chris, what was your cringe of the week? My cringe of the week. Okay, so we we make a point on the show to not bash Dave Meltzer, to not even bring him up because it, there's a lot of uh, emotions with Dave. People get upset about his star ratings. You can think of that how you will. Um, and people give him shit about the Mabel thing and whatever. There's a, there, there's a certain amount of trolling him that I think is unwarranted. Granted, some of it perhaps brings it up himself with his Twitter conduct or just gets too into that. So I was listening to his show with Alvarez and I think it was like before dynamite this week. And he was talking about the length of investigation and just a couple of things stood out. And I think like nothing was learned from this whole debacle. Again, we talked about it that at, at, before we left the punk conversation of saying that, yes, he was an asshole and unprofessional about some of his approach, but some of the things he were saying was fundamentally spot on. You should disclose who you are friends with. And then he left the scrum saying, please be responsible with the news you get from certain people. And remember that we're human beings. The very true thing. And I thought like there was going to be a little bit of like wrestling journalism almost like awakening or there was going to be like a little bit of a rethink of how they go about this. But because this was such a big story and people felt it was Montreal 2.0, everyone had to go with our sources are saying, I'm hearing from this. And it's like, you're not fucking getting anything that just happened. And it was an opportunity to kind of retcon their approach on this. And it just seemed like it was a missed opportunity. So Malter in particular, and this just got me, he was like talking about how there's going to be an investigation, obviously, and into the, into what happened in the locker room and the fight uh, post scrum. And he said, it shouldn't take too long. It usually doesn't take me more than a couple weeks when I've investigated this stuff. And it's like, what fucking capacity do you have to investigate this? Like, what are you talking about? And like, just that was like, Oh my God, he thinks so much of himself. Like it was a weird moment where he just came through in a way that was like, Oh, in what way are I, it just blew my mind that he would say that. Yeah, and especially like for when he's investigated this stuff, like, what are you talking about? Like when you investigated something and then reported on it versus there's a difference in standard. I mean, yes. Well, no, this is a this is a human resources podcast. We've, we're two out of three here. Exactly. Uh, we got and, an auditor, so that he helps too. <laughs> Hit or miss yeah. with HR. And like that's, I mean, th- that's such a weird thing because whatever Meltzer has done, investigated, like there's no true ramifications for him. I mean, if he's just completely blindly reporting something that's not true, sure. Yes, there is potential for ramification. But even then, the this burden of proof on that is yeah. very, very tough. But that's this is going to take a while, especially when you add in the fact that Punk got hurt uh, and you know 
he's also a very litigious individual we've kind of seen over the last few years. And the fact that he was threatening it, they are going to make sure everything is buttoned up as much as possible. And we're likely never really going to hear anything from a from an investigative standpoint. Meltzer is absolutely the Voldemort of this podcast. We don't say his name very often. Um, I just, I think that he's so out of touch. I mean, the fact that, I mean, just the way he, his business model to me is kind of wild, but then you also see some other guys too. I just want to say like, I think it was like SRS. He was kind of bragging about how much money they Fightful has made since this happened because of how many people are subscribing to their Patreon. Mm. Like that's weird to me. I don't get, I don't get that. Gossip mad queen. Like, Hey man, once again, your reports are the ones that kind of caused all of this. No. And so like, congratulations it, yeah. on, congratulations on, you know, fucking almost ruining the best thing in wrestling right now. Yeah. And like the, 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 investigation thing it's not even comparing apples to oranges it's comparing apples to orangutan shit and then the whole thing about like yeah you know i could have stopped this by telling punk then fucking why didn't you are you talking to him directly like what's what's the nature of your relationship and it goes back to the sources thing of like who are your actual sources who are you talking to and it's going to hurt your business model when you can't disclose that the srs thing about the fightful subscriptions going up hey good for you that's fucking great and at times he's been very humble about like I do fucking ads for dick pills and stuff like that. And he's a humble dude about certain things, but it's like the news just in general, the news shouldn't be lead generators. You shouldn't be making money um, or a a revenue generator. Like it's the news. There shouldn't be money made off of this. And that's how it gets corrupted. And there's a corruption when there's an angle or spin to it. Another thing that Dave brought up that I thought that was just like, what in the fuck are you talking about, dude? Was he said, and it was not bashing on Dave, but it was his extremely difficult way of deciphering what in the fuck he's actually saying. But he's like, both companies are quiet about actual stuff referring to the investigation. He's like, everything right now, and they're very quiet, and it's very different compared to other sports where all this stuff would be out. It's back to the 80s, and that's fine because I lived through the 80s, and I can do it the same way. And so he's mad because he's not getting a direct line into internal discipline for something like that. Like that's when it's not your fucking business and it isn't a sport. We're not going to find out what the fucking kid from the flash gets punished with for his stuff or his shenanigans this summer. Cause it's not our fucking business. It's an internal thing and it's entertainment. It's not sports like, and just you're like, you really think you deserve to have, to be told everything that's going on and that's your right to know this stuff. Like it just, his hubris really shined out. I thought. Well, and to cite sports, how many times do you see people get suspended for conduct detrimental to the team? And that's all you ever hear. Right. That's the same fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. We get injury reports. That's about, that's, that's the extent that you get Dave. And yeah, I, I think that wrestling journalism takes itself very, very seriously. I mean, a lot of, a lot of sports journalists take themselves very seriously too, uh, but that's a, that's a different podcast. Um, and I just think that this is kind of it's just been really weird because everyone's rushing to put out a story, and then they're like, "Oh, actually, this isn't it." Well, well, actually, they're saying this. Maybe just wait, you know, like or just talk about it, but like don't report it as this is what's happening. And and I think that that's the problem where there's a lot of. You know, people assume, especially if you're paying for the news, that it's like 
true. Guaranteed. I think I think that's mm-hmm. part of the problem with it too. Like if and that's where their I'm blowback for this, comes from, and people are mean yeah. towards them because of that. Mm-hmm. If I'm paying for this, I, I assume that this is actually like news, not a rumor at that point. And whether that's right or wrong, that's you know, that's that's the way it is. I, I just don't understand. You can't you're getting mad about like they're not sharing things with you. Like you're not granted that right where everything that you ask about deserves an answer or response. Like who gives you that fucking authority? So entitled, you know? And yeah. And like, and two, like, I don't like the fact that a lot, in a lot of ways, the wrestling businesses cater to him personally in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. like, like what type of product you put out, what he says has a lot of weight and it is a dangerous thing for someone who's so outside of the company to have so much input and to a certain extent of what's out there and in there. And I think this is an opportunity to have a break from that and go silent on stuff with dirt sheets and wrestling journalism and just do your own thing. Keep shit in house again. Like Tony said, he was going new with the whole loose lips cost jobs kind of motto. Yeah, I've got, I've got two things. I think first of all, it'd be really interesting to see, especially because Tony comes from the football world. What if they, if they truly brought in like an in-house blogger, maybe three, uh, and had them as the like almost like a beat reporter type of a thing, right? Like do it, do it like that. You can kind of put stuff out, control the narrative. That's what NFL teams do. That's it's no fucking different. Do that if they, that's the way you can kind of still get some news out there, get some reports, and you can kind of play off the whole sports league thing. That to me is more meaningful because we don't need all the personal details of stuff and. And you could still kind of obviously you're never going to spoil something the way that, you know, a, a Meltzer or an SRS would typically. But you can if you want there to be like a press feel to it, that's probably the way to do it rather than feeding to dirt sheets. And then the second thing, uh, SRS also had a comment because somebody said that they feel like this is taking advantage of, you know, kind of a a, a personal situation or a you know, some drama or something like that. And SRS was like, well, that's what wrestling is. It doesn't have to be wrestling can literally just be storylines. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be stuff that's feeding in. Like that was a weird defense of it because someone called him out when he was talking about how much money he's made off of it this month. And like, it doesn't have to be about stuff that are people actually not getting along. Sometimes it works out that way. And then it, it tells a great story. Sure. But it could also just be a storyline. You know what I mean? Like MJF doesn't actually have to hate Mox or hate whoever he's going to, you know, feud with next. They can actually be best friends. He could be, fuck, he could be his hero for all we know. And that's okay. I don't know. I just, I just think like the idea that like that's, that wrestling doesn't exist without personal feuds is a silly one. I agree. And I, um, they certainly can't handle it. And I know I kind of sounded a little bit, pious in the article i posted uh, a couple i don't know a week or so ago on wrestlingleaders.com when i called it an embarrassing shit show which it was but this group can't handle real life storylines they just can't handle it there's too much ego involved and there's too much fragile egos involved and when you hear things about how weak some of these people can be at times mentally it doesn't make you want to root for them and it loses the attraction because yeah. you go ah, fuck both of these guys there's yeah. a reason why you don't do a heel versus heel angle. <laughs> just think it doesn't drop. Yeah, it's it's like the guy who wants to roast everybody in a group, and then the second you say one thing, like all of a sudden he's like, "Oh yeah, well your mom's dead." 
It's a it's a ton of alpha males have a tendency to be narcissistic and they can dish it out, but they can't take it. That's a just classic case of those guys. You see them in business. You see them in sports. Just how mad they get over the most petty fucking shit. Yeah, I'm one of the few alphas that can take a joke. So I I can't. I know. All righty. Well, let's go into some other stuff. And I don't want to make this all about fucking wrestling journalism, but it had to be stated. And all right. What are you anticipating in the weeks ahead? Grand slam. Uh, easy answer that, you know, that answer is a grand slam. I think oh. uh, we've, got, we've already got some exciting stuff with the, a new world champion for sure being crowned that night. Hopefully new tag champions being crowned that night. Uh, this week, there's probably going to be some good build to a couple other good matches and also probably a great rampage. Um, and just kind of as a bonus anticipation beyond that, most of the rampages after Grand Slam leading up to mm-hmm. Full Gear are all going to be live rampages. So I'm really excited about that and seeing the quality and how much that upticks as well, because it's there's just something about a live show that always hits better than a pre-taped show. Not to mention we get a two-hour Grand Slam yeah. on for the rampage. rampage yep. Yes. And Beautiful. celebration of... Uh, one of our biggest viewers, uh, her birthday on that day. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? What a way to celebrate. Love yeah. that. Love that. Can't wait for Grand Slam. <laughs> a little inside joke between the three of us. That's the benefit <laughs> of us not being on video right now. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to Grand Slam as well, but there's other things that we need to talk about that happened this week. We touched on it just a little bit, but Bobby Fish does seem legitimately insane now. Um, yes. Like, I get it. You know, you try to create an angle when you're both a free agent in your mind. But like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> they're not gonna be a, there's not going to be a match. And then just the whole like, I'm a better mixed martial artist than you. Even though Punk it's, was terrible, I bet he probably still could beat him. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny, too. You've seen quite a few people return to WWE since Triple H has taken over creative and the talent side of things. And the common thread amongst all of those people is that they never said anything bad about WWE when they left. They just kind of quietly went about their business, did whatever it was that they had to do. Hit row. The guy, um, I can't remember who the main guy from hit yeah. row is right now off the top of my head, Swerve? but he released, yeah, like, Swerve. no, <laughs> oh. no. Um, he released like a, he released a song that was a remix of a Jay-Z song. Thank you. Yes, Top Dollar. He released a you know a thank you remix essentially, you know talking about how much he loved his time at WWE. Never put out any type of like really negative stuff about them. That's true. Um, you know, Johnny Gargano never really said anything in either direction. None of those guys ever spoke out. And as soon as Triple H was in power, they immediately were back. And Bobby Fish just is like going the opposite direction, almost like trying to see if he could work himself back into a job. Yeah, it just was odd takes. And it just seems he comes off as like, I referenced him before, but like how Bob Backlund just seems like a weird dude in real life. You're like, whoa, that just something's lost his mind with him. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast at all, but I did turn it on for about five minutes the other day. Awful awful quality and awful logo so oh shit all right hit man, up, check are, out fiverr.com man we are shooting on everyone in the business today i swear to god we're gonna have check them all on a bunch of bunch of enemies 
Kill them all. Haters. Okay, so other news story that came out this week, all out buy all out buy rate was down. Um significantly. Like Tony not significantly, but it was at like 130 or 140. Um Tony talked about in the scrum like the fact that there was two WWE shows, WWE shows, excuse me, that weekend that may have affected it. I do think this is probably part of the storyline of not making a clear main event, you know, visible enough and then running it on the Wednesday before novel storyline. I thought it was an interesting approach, but one of the things that makes you decide what you're going to watch on Labor Day weekend is knowing what an attraction is. I knew that I was watching the Notre Dame Ohio State game because that's a big attraction (laughs) and I knew I was going to watch all out. Like those are the things I wanted to see that weekend because I knew what was what to expect going into it. Um, Even though it it seemed like it was going to change, but I don't know. It was a missed opportunity. I think there with that uh, pay-per-view buy rate and I, it's not all triple H's fault. It's, it's not, especially when you think that the, PLEs are free, so right. it's not like it's not like you you weren't competing for the dollar. You were competing for the attention at that point, and then also I just think I was bummed originally when I kind of realized like, oh man, I'm going to miss all out. But it was more so bummed that I was missing getting to watch it live with you two. Yeah. You know, getting to have a company outing and and just <laughs> watch it together. And I. To be honest, like I didn't really feel that like when I was actually missing the show, I didn't I wasn't that upset about it. Like when I looked at the card, it was a good card. Don't get me wrong. But there have been other AEW cards where I would have been truly bummed and probably uh, attached to my phone at the wedding I was at if if that was if they if those cards were, you know, the one that I was missing and there just wasn't that feeling. And I do think that if they wanted to do the punk mock story the way that they did, they needed to spread that out over a few weeks. They needed to tell the story better to make it interesting because it all just felt so forced and it didn't feel like a true story at that point. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, who do you guys have when in the tournament? Let's make it official. I think it's Mox. Uh, I think you have Danielson his first, first AEW title. I'd like to see Danielson too, but I think with Mox and MJF interacting, it's almost like the way to make uh, it seem like, oh, this is complete and your eyes mind. And then with Mox doing that baby face, baby face promo, I'm guessing maybe that's what it's going to be. I would love to see uh, fucking Danielson get it because you're not going to have some of the issues and it's just a different guy getting a chance to run with it. And But if mjf should get the title though so it's like uh, maybe you just save danielson for that's, later. yeah that's why that's the only reason i don't want danielson getting it now is i don't want him to lose it in november and he's that's so nice. selfless rather... he'd fucking lose it to like a 2.0 guy and be like oh whatever cool <laughs> <laughs> i'd like rather <laughs> i'd rather see him be the one that dethrones an mjf sure Okay, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So please listen to our podcast and share it with your friends in the wrestling community. Give us five-star reviews. What the hell? Come on. Don't be a dick. Just give us five stars. And then uh, share it with, again, anyone you know who's a wrestling fan. We're trying to grow this thing organically with no paid uh, investments besides investments between these three handsome gentlemen. Uh, You can also follow us at Wrestling Latest Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And go to wrestlingelitis.com to get our latest match reviews and commentary. Uh, we've had some great articles come up in the span of a year that we've been together. 
There's a lot of shit in the archives, man. Just keep going back. Keep scrolling back on that front page. You'll see shit that goes back a year. That's gold from these guys. You can even watch Alex's uh, or uh, read Alex's uh, alligator adventures. Oh, who could forget? There is a to- before we Anyways. actually wrap up. Tell us what you are. Talk about that one clip you sent us the other day. <laughs> Sean, did you even end up watching it? I, I could not get myself to watch. No. I'll so watch it's, act, it's actually one of the, uh, so this guy works at the same park as the, the guy who I did that alligator swimming with. And he's showing how to defend yourself against an alligator. And apparently the one is deathly afraid of being tickled. So he literally chases him around by pretending he's going to tickle him. And it looks like the exact same energy as uh, when I chase my cats around the house to uh, pick them up and, and torment them. And I thought the worst case scenario was going to happen. I was like, oh my God, his face is going to get Florida right now. And then, Bald. yeah, <laughs> nope. Uh. No, just, he's like, show him the tickle monster. <laughs> you can read all about Alex's adventures with alligators. He fucking loves them. And that's on Wrestling Elitist too. All right, it's been a hell of a show. We've uh, maybe burned a lot of bridges professionally one day. But until then, Rick Rude, send us home. Hope. Hit the music!